0: This Dharma Talk by Joan Sutherland is the third of three given at the Koan Ancestors Retreat on November 4, 2012 at Mountain Cloud Zen Center in Santa Fe, New Mexico. I had just a bit more that I wanted uh, to say on our last morning together. Over the weekend, um, words like gratitude and generosity and love have come up, and people have spoken them in the room. And um, one of the things that's most beautiful to me in our way is this gorgeously, recklessly, against all odds assumption that those qualities are inherent in the universe, that it's not our job to manufacture them and bring them to the situation. They're already there. And our job is much more something like discovering them in each situation. Um, This is an old tradition in the Mahayana. Nagarjuna, who was a great um, Indian philosopher, of the Mahayana, said, When Buddhas don't appear and their followers are gone, the wisdom of awakening burst, bursts forth by itself. So this is the vow of the Dharmakaya, right? This is the that wisdom of awakening bursting forth by itself no matter what. Is, else is going on, and, and whether we have a Dharma or not, it's there and inherent, part of the very texture of the universe itself. So that strain of, of uh, Mahayana Buddhism, <clears throat> when it came to China, found a very receptive home, because that's also a fundamental idea in Taoism. And Um, The sense there is they they, they understand emptiness and they understand it in a different way. They understand it in a way where emptiness and dance can be so close together, where dance is just emptiness with legs. That was a fundamental Taoist understanding. So here is a a quote from um, Zhuangzi, one of the early and great Daoist philosophers, who who's talking about emptiness, and listen to the way he presents it. He's talking about coming into a kind of um, conversation that Taoists had with each other, which are the precursors of the Koan conversations. Zhuangzi says, "I came at him empty, wriggling and turning, not knowing anything about who or what. Now dipping and bending." now flowing in waves. Mm -hmm. So that's the Taoist sense of emptiness. There is that um, not knowing anything about who or what that we find very familiar, and there's dipping and bending, flowing in waves as well. So, um, again, from the Taoist perspective, which, which... stained and dyed Chan so beautifully, the sense of what our task is, is not to manufacture compassion and and generosity and gratitude and love, but to align ourselves with the currents of those things that are already flowing through the universe, already inherent in the universe. So much more an orientation toward discovering and being open to, and aligning oneself with, than with engineering, or manufacturing, or doing exercises that create these, these feelings. Um, I, I want to be sure to say that it's not that I think that those exercises aren't meaningful, but that is not the that's not the heart of this tradition. Because of that belief, that we don't have to create that; that it's already there. So, um, especially when people are, are just taking up practice, or they or they've had done practice in other traditions, um, they'll ha- they'll be this almost frantic sense of, "I'm not compassionate enough," you know. I I. I um, I'm not mindful enough. I've got to become more compassionate, more mindful. I've got to become more disciplined. Um, I have to be less reactive, right? That is from the viewpoint of, I just have to find the right exercises to rearrange myself in these ways because it's all an exercise of my will, I will be more compassionate. I will be less reactive when I can align my will and really get it going and I can make it happen. And that is absolutely the surface self talking. That is absolutely the surface self saying, no worries, I can deal with this. And I guess my question would be, you know, how's that working out? (laughs) Okay? So our task, from the perspective of our way, is not to cultivate these feelings in ourselves um, as, as noble an intention as that is but rather to cultivate as we mentioned yesterday the willingness to be available to those things so it's a shift in orientation my orientation is not I will make myself more compassionate I will be more disciplined I will be mindful damn it It's, I'm going to keep showing up, and keep showing up, and keep showing up. That's all we have to do. I I am willing to be (coughs) overcome by gratitude, to be overcome by generosity, Mm -hmm. to be overcome by a burning desire to be disciplined, because I can taste something in my mouth, and I want to go all the way with that, and I will sit here until that happens. You know, the Buddha's vow. is. It can be our vow as well. So our focus is on the willingness, the availability, and our optimistic belief is if we bring that, the rest will take care of itself. We do not have to manufacture it out of our will. In fact, it's a grand delusion to think that we can manufacture it out of our will. And if we are trying to manufacture it out of our will, we're going to miss it right in front of our faces because we're doing something else because our attention is somewhere else on something so small and so predictably uh, a failure, you know, that we're missing the very thing that's right there in our faces. Um, Some people can hear this, can criticize this, can defend against this, by saying this is a kind of Zen light, you know, no, you got to, you know, you got to get in there and really suffer. Um, and I would reply to that by saying that this is actually the much more difficult path, because this is a path that re- requires you to absolutely, without evasion, without you know, one foot out the door without a sort of plan B to absolutely relinquish the habit body in order to realize that you're also the Dharmakaya, you're also the body of the Dharma already. That's really hard. Um, Because we do it without an endoskeleton or an exoskeleton. And what I mean by that is we do it without the endoskeleton the interior skeleton of i got to be more compassionate i got to work harder i got to whip myself into shape i got to i got to i got to i got to that's the that's the internal skeleton you know driving us um, we don't get to use that we also don't get to use the exoskeleton which is the the external skeleton of um, what's been called harsh practices you know the 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 things that encourage us to whip ourselves into shape the things that encourage us to um, to get it right and do it this way because it's all about the five this is and the 27 that's and the eightfold this and the four that you know that that if we can if we can just like get all that stuff together and and take it all on and be working all the steps you know that's what it's really about working all the steps somehow that's going to hold us up and that's going to take care of it. And that's we have a lot of form and we, and we do things a certain way because that will hold us up. But if we allow ourselves only to be held up by that, we grow weak inside of it. Because we're, we're asking the exoskeleton to do the work. This is the harder practice because it's saying you don't get that either. No endoskeleton, no exoskeleton, no lists of 27 this and 14 that's what you get is over and over and over again with every fiber of your being showing up and being willing, being willing for whatever happens, which isn't always easy and lovely and um, puppies and rainbows. You know, sometimes it's really, really difficult. How could it not be difficult to shed the habits and the strategies and, um, and the negotiations of a lifetime? to step into that free place. Of course it's difficult. Of course people choose exoskeletons and endoskeletons all the time because it's easier. But, but, we don't have to just do it out of raw courage and um, insane bravery because there is in the tradition this thing called the vow food, and the vow food is that when we come into relationship with the vow, when we walk with the vow, it nourishes us all the time so that we can continue to do this. So the vow feeds us so that we can live the vow. And that, that mutual nourishment goes on and on and on. We have to be willing To receive that nourishment, we have to be willing to accept it and to trust it and to experience that it is enough, that we don't need that other stuff if we've really, really, really got this. Everything else is extra. So if that appeals to you, if you are a wild and crazy fox spirit who would like to keep walking out onto the ice and listening to hear if there's water rushing underneath or not, please do. Please keep going. Um, Please know that this is a real and deep thing. And... The glory of this way is that we do this together. We do this together. That we embody in our small, tiny, little band of crazy people um, the the possibility that is at the root of the universe, the possibility of everyone and everything waking up together. We are all in those fields surrounding the well at the center. And we drink from that well, we eat the vow food that grows out of that well, and we accompany and support and protect and call each other on our shit and do all of that, all of that stuff that's essential to our waking up, not only as individuals, but as community. Because when we do that, when we put our love and our gratitude and our generosity into waking up as a community. We are living in microcosm the universe in macrocosm. We are living the Dharmakaya's great vow in our own lives, not as an idea, not as a practice but as a life. A life for each of us as individuals and a life for us together. Okay, I'm done. I'm done preaching. Thank you very much. I'm done preaching. (laughs) Thus endeth the sermon. What? Is that on tape? Yeah, that's on tape. Yes. (laughs) These talks are made available through your donations to Cloud Dragon, the Joan Sutherland Dharma works. To learn more about her teachings and to make a tax-deductible contribution, Please visit our donate page at joanSutherlandDharmaWorks.org.